Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Two big winners at the NASCAR race in Kansas this past weekend. I'm Chris Graham, joined by Rod Mullins. We're going to talk some NASCAR. And the big, you know, the obvious winner, Bubba Wallace, he won the race, his first win of the season, second win of his career. But uh, also uh, at the top of the standings now because of a third place finish, Christopher Christopher Bell. So, Rod, take us into the race and, and how Wallace won and, and how uh, Bell is now at the top of the standings. It was another wild and crazy race more than anything else, and it was a lot of tire attrition is what I will call it. The tires were wearing out pretty quick. Uh, some of these teams only had maybe one maybe two sets of tires left to go for the rest of the race. And, you know, it came down to who's going to stay out there, who's going to be able to stay out there and not lose their car. I mean, Kevin Harvick had problems again. Kevin Harvick, it got knocked him down to the uh, bottom pretty much of the, uh, of the standings. And then you had Kyle Busch had had trouble. And so you had a number of these drivers having some trouble. Eric Jones had trouble. Of course, he's not in the playoff search, but he, fresh off that win at Darlington, was looking for just another win to kind of secure him a little bit more in, you know, a positive, if you want to call it, postseason, so to speak, and just be another feather in the cap for Petty Enterprises and GMS Racing. But, you know, I think still what came down to was Bubba Wallace, and he stayed out there on the track, led 58 laps, and I'm just going to say it to the naysayers that are out there. If you think that Bubba Wallace is not that good of a driver – um, I'm sorry. He's now, I think he's in a car now. I think he's in the Kurt Busch car that was very capable of winning. I think, uh, all the way through the season. And I think it was a great move on uh, 2311 motorsports to move him into that 45 car. I know a lot of people were left scratching their head and they're saying, well, you know, if Kyle, if Kurt Busch is not in the playoff picture, why are they doing that? It's for ownership points. It's for car ownership points. And they're looking for those points that they need and it'll help them even better in the at the end of the season because you know it's a big bonus for them it's money is what it is coming from the uh from the um, manufacturer but you know um again going back to Bubba Wallace I just think he he ran a good race there toward the very end uh led 58 laps did just a tremendous job um I'm tired of hearing all the people that have complained over and over and said you know he really didn't win a race the last time he won a rain delayed race and then they called the race so to speak and so there we have it he gets his second win he gets his first outright win and so I think it's just a it's a plus for 2311 motorsports one of the fun things about NASCAR is that you're out there on the track sometimes competing with guys who own your car <laughs> oh yeah yeah that was the other one too so yeah he has to beat Denny Hamlin to the uh to the checkered flag and and Hamlin finishes second but um yeah that's that's just one of those little fun things there Hamlin of course in the playoff and uh Bubba Wallace second straight uh, week that a non-playoff driver mm-hmm. wins one of these playoff races so we still haven't had anybody punch their ticket automatically through to the next round that's that's a big right. deal out of this as well yeah, and you know, we may very well see it at Bristol again this week uh, because you don't know who's going to possibly pull this one off and win this one. And, and I really didn't expect Bubba Wallace to be able to pull this off at Kansas. Although, looking at the numbers, Kurt Busch, who won there in the earlier race this year, did quite well. And I don't think they changed anything major off of that car except to just kind of set it, tune it, tone it up to where it needed to be at for Kansas. And all 
all he had to do, Bubba Wallace had to do was just go out there and run that car. And that's what he did. He ran to win the thing on Denny Hamlin though. Um, I thought it was interesting at the end of the race that Denny Hamlin said, was I going to go and block for him? Heck no, I'm not going to block for him. I'm in contention. I'm, I'm for playoff points. I'm going to run him down. I don't care. I'm going for the win. You know, I need to go and get locked into this thing. So I know there were people that probably saying, ah, oh, Denny Hamlin kind of sandbagged a little bit till he could let his driver win. I don't believe that was so. I just believe that Bubba Wallace had a superior car, had a better prepared car, and he just drove a heck of a race there with 58 laps to go. And Denny Hamlin kind of late to the party, so to speak. If you look at it that way here, he was coming up through the ranks. And if he'd had a few more laps, I think he probably could have contended and probably overtaken Bubba Wallace. But that remains to be seen. We get ready and uh, shift all the attention now to Bristol and all the things that are going on that's going to be going on at Bristol Motor Speedway this coming weekend. Yeah, I want to correct to, uh, or, or at least clarify, um, I said no one has won to clinch their way into the next round, but right. rebel because of points. Mm-hmm. It has already been guaranteed a spot in the next right. round. There's still yep. 11 spots up for grabs. And uh, you mentioned some of the guys who um, are on the other side of things right now. You mentioned Kevin Harvick, his third straight race and second straight playoff race, mm-hmm. which he did not finish. And so he is down at the bottom of the standings and he may all he may be all but out unless he wins uh, in Bristol this weekend. Well, by calculations, I had him all but out after this race at Kansas. I thought he was going to be relegated down to at least 17th or something, but he still, you know, with the way everybody else ran out on the track, that kind of posted well for him and what he had of his appearance. But, you know, You've got another one. I mean, I just I mentioned it to you earlier, Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush is in a situation too of where he's on the outside now looking in of what could be. He needs more than anything else. He needs a win. And he's got a win maybe at Bristol. And yes, you hear that weird squeaking in the background. That's one of the dogs over here playing. But uh still, I mean, that's that's a part of it. Kyle Bush knows he's going to have to win Bristol. He's had success at Bristol. Kevin Harvick has had success at Bristol. I mean, it goes back a, a few years. But both of those drivers now are going to a track that, you know, they've had a little bit of experience on, and they know what to do with it. But you're talking 500 laps. You're talking a night race. You're talking this race is going to be no holes barred. Uh, this is to get the 12 in there, or the 11, I should say, the 11 in there. Um, you know, one's going to automatically win. That's what's going to happen. And then you're going to have the 12 carry over the other 11, 10 or 11. It's going to carry over and go into the playoffs. And that's who's going to be there. And there could be some other people that could be on the outside staring inside and looking at it and saying, hey, you know, I had my chance. And then we just didn't have luck go our way. Everybody's talking about Ross Chastain right now. And Ross Chastain is the one that is having to change his driving style, so to speak. He's not being as aggressive, we'll say, as he was earlier in the season, which I think that kind of comes at a disadvantage. When you're in the playoffs and you need to be aggressive, now's the time. I think we saw that with uh, Daniel Suarez and Christopher Bell. A little bit of some problems there of, um, I think, at Darlington last week. They asked him if they were clear on the situation. Daniel Suarez was kind of like, oh, that's in the past. We'll go on and stuff. And Christopher Bell said, you know, I've got to look in my rearview mirror. I just don't know when he's going to show up. But, yeah, I, I don't like the way he raced me, and I don't like the way that, um, you know, Daniel has went made a big deal out of this whole thing. So, yeah, Ross Chastain has to, has to at least have a good showing. He would like to have a good showing at Bristol. Daniel Suarez loves Bristol, too. He loves it. 
you know, I think the, the best thing out of the, out of the commercials that's come around out of this thing and they've advertised it and uh, the thing it's kind of themed like Lord of the Rings, one bull ring to rule them all. And that's what it could be one bull ring. And that is Bristol. And it could end up ruling, you know, whoever these 12 people are going to be making the, making the cut. Before we get more into Bristol, um, you mentioned Kyle Bush. He's 13th yep. in the standings now. So he will be on right. the outside looking in. He's only a couple points behind 12th. Mm -hmm. Um, but news with Bush today. And, um, I will, I will note that I won't, I won't give away the news. We've been talking about Kyle, uh, Kyle Bush and, and his, uh, what he'll be doing in 2023 for the last few weeks. But, okay, so there was a press conference to announce formally his move. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm reading here from the, the press conference, uh, pre a story on ESPN, that uh, at the announcement made today at the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte, uh, that he wore the two cup championship rings he won driving for Joe Gibbs Racing on his middle fingers. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Whoa, I did not know that. Well, now I do. I guess that's one way of uh, flying the bird without a cage, and that's what he did. So if that's what he did, uh, it doesn't surprise me. He's basically but, saying, hey, look at these rings. Yeah, look at these rings. That's what he's saying. I mean, it's just like, hey, look at my rings. It's like I quoted another at one time or another, uh, a former Green Bay Packer, when he just leaned his hand out the window and stuff, if he got caught for speeding, I said, you know, that's going to run out. You're going to run out of steam with that one one day. That's not going to That's not going last but this one with with kyle bush if he did that i'm just going to tell you that takes a certain part of the human anatomy with a sack to be able to pull that off i mean that just there's nobody else that could have pulled it off and here i was bragging about him and saying you know he seems like he's got a lot of humility about it. he's doing it with through secret you know secret messages and stuff is what subliminal messages and all that and saying hey looky here look at my rings and stuff so <laughs> I mean, that's kind of wild, but yeah, this whole thing with, uh, with Kyle Bush, um, it's been coming to a head this past weekend. Uh, the athletic was the one that broke it probably about three days ago and said, he's going to Richard Childress racing. I kind of got a rumor back. Um, I'd say somewhere probably about, oh, uh, really before the month of August started. And they said that there was some intense negotiations going on. But every time Kyle Bush would talk about it, he said, just got to wait. You know, we've got to see there's there's people out on the table. There's people looking at this thing. We're looking at it. And so, you know, that's what they were doing. He was looking for the best deal possible. But you almost have to look at the stats in one way. Richard Childress Racing has not won a championship since 1994. And that was when Dale Earnhardt Sr. was racing for him, okay? Now, you've had that. You've only had a handful of wins in the season since that time. You've only had a handful of wins. Of course, some of those coming with Jeff Burton at one time or another. And then Kevin Harvick had a majority of those wins. But then in that period of time, since I'd say, what, in the last five to ten years, They've been very few and far between. The only one that has showed some consistency here in the last little bit has been Tyler Reddick. And then to add insult to injury, we see the car of the preview today and guess which car Kyle Busch is going to be driving yeah. the eight car yeah. for next year. Yeah. So now he's going to be driving the eight car. Does that mean that they go and they push Tyler Reddick to another car that they had that they've held on to from the charter? Or are they going to cut loose on Tyler Reddick and say, all right, here you go. We're going to cut him loose. We don't want him now. If you want him for 2023, 
he's yours, but you're going to have to buy out so much of his contract that he has left. And I think that's what's going to, what it's going to come down to, because I don't see Tyler Reddick being happy that he's going, uh, going to have to be relegated from that eight car. And they're putting him with the crew chief that has gotten him the win so far on the season. You know, what's he going to do? I, I think he, I think he just scoots is what I think he does. I think we'll probably hear by the end of the season or near the end of the season that he's gone. He'll, he'll be going on and Richard Childress will get a uh, contract uh, buyout satisfaction from, you know, 2311. And then it'll be done and over with at that time. But, you know, Kyle Bush said that um, he wanted to be at a championship setting and it's been a while since they've been there. But, you know, Austin Dillon was the first one. That's what surprised me today. Austin Dillon was the first one that reached out to Kyle Bush and said, why don't you consider coming over here and let's go and fight these battles together and stuff. And he says, it's a weekly, you know, weekly thing. And he said, you ought to be used to it by now. What you've been having to go through this past season, you ought to be used to this thing of fighting battles. And, you know, Kyle Bush kind of eventually you know, it was, it was getting back. It was getting back to Chevrolet. He's not been with, he's not been in that car in what, 15 years, something like that. He's a Chevrolet. At least he's not been in the car in almost 20 years. And so he's getting back to Chevrolet. He said, he likes the idea of what Chevy is doing with their motorsports program, which kind of reminds me, I haven't seen a whole lot of Chevy's motorsports program in NASCAR, especially since Dale Earnhardt passed away in 2001. It's kind of been limping is what it's been doing for a long time because Earnhardt was one of those that got the factory, all the stuff. I mean, when it came through, all the stuff went to him and stuff for promotion, everything else. Dale Earnhardt was the one. And then you had some others that had some secondary deals. So this is a big plus for Kyle Busch coming over to a team that is looking to promote him. Uh, you've got to throw a towel over and you got to throw some smelling salts and, and a crying towel over to Toyota right now uh, because Toyota's deeply saddened. That was the press release from the Toyota uh, president. He said he was deeply saddened by this on losing Kyle Busch. But this was something that I don't think Toyota created. I think this was just the situation with Joe Gibbs Racing. Now, are we going to see a Dale Earnhardt type of um, mystique surround Kyle Busch when he goes into this team next year? Uh, You know, there's going to be a lot of fans that's going to say, you know, he's never going to stand anywhere near close to to Dale Earnhardt Jr., and I agree with that. He's not going to. But, uh, you know, they've got something to shoot for, and, you know, they can only go up. That's the only way that they're going to be going. And you've got to give him credit for at least making the decision to kind of get away from Joe Gibbs racing and come over to Chevrolet and Richard Childress racing. Yeah. Huge news. Huge news. Mm -hmm. So now getting back to Bristol, you'll be there this weekend, right? I will. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, uh, so, uh, you know, they won't have dirt on the track. I'll I'll, I'll miss that. Uh, The weather would be actually conducive. The the dirt uh, track race back in was April. Um, it rained and there was, it was a mud race more than it was a dirt race. Um, uh, but, uh, other than that major change, uh, right. what can we learn from the, the spring race to apply, uh, if anything, to apply to what will happen this weekend? Absolutely nothing <laughs> because the dirt, you're not going to be able to go. And it's just not the dirt, the what they use to set up for the dirt race is out the window because concrete is going to be completely different this time around. And, you know, you're racing on, on a brand new surface. That's what a lot of the drivers have already said. You know, we raced on dirt in the spring, 
but don't breathe a lot into that because you know the the dirt is one thing racing on concrete is another um you know you're still going to have your racing purists out there that have complained and fussed ever since bruton smith and company took that little bit of that uh, banking off up there at the top that little edge and now they've kind of covered it up with the way the safer barrier has stuck out but it still makes for exciting racing especially on the concrete and i think this year probably more so than last year or in years past where this is you know this is the second year of a playoff race at bristol and i think that's going to be one strong bearing on this of where we're going to see some some uh, it's going to be some hot racing and i i say that when i say there's going to be hot tempers there's going to be people that we might see another helmet slinging contest again like what tony stewart did uh, several years ago when he was racing at Bristol, you might see another Danica Patrick sling a helmet at somebody or point the middle finger at somebody as they're going around the track. You might see the Kevin Harvick chase Elliott thing that what happened at the end of the race last year of the confrontation there in between turn three and turn four. So there's a lot of things that are being thrown into this kind of like a, it's almost sort of like we're getting into fall. We're kind of like making soup, for example, and all this stuff is being thrown in. These ingredients are being thrown into this soup and it's going to come out either spicy or it's going to come out dull. And I think it's going to come out spicy the way I think of this race. And I think it's going to be one heck of a race. It's going to be on concrete and yeah, there's going to be 10 or 11 spots to seal up and they will go and they will advance point wise unless somebody wins. They will advance point-wise on to the next round and go into uh, the next race after Bristol. But, uh, you know, it's anybody's guess. Uh, I have uh, I've quit trying to predict, especially with 18 different race winners this year and so forth. Um, I'm kind of staying away from that. It's anybody's ballgame. Sort of like the headline that the uh, one of the newspapers, state newspapers, put out about Virginia Tech. I don't know if you saw that one or not, but they're, they're talking about Wofford. And they're saying, oh, Wofford's 0-2. They have nothing to worry about. You know, Tech is going to be, I think Tech's going to be really primed for this. And I'm like, yep, you know, that's that's having some um, that's having some gonads of saying that because you never know what kind of Wofford team's going to show up, especially after making a statement like that, that Tech doesn't think they have anything to worry about with Wofford. Look what happened to Texas A&M last week, and also look what happened to Marshall. So the same thing goes for racing. I don't know what we're going to see. We could see probably one of the most exciting races in a long time. We could see a most boring race in a long time, but I don't think we're going to see that at Bristol. I think we're going to see a lot of beating, banging. There's going to be some teams that get knocked out of this thing quick, and I think it's over with for them. Uh, So it's anybody's guess who's going to win. Well, I got to say this for our listeners out there. Uh, last week after I stopped recording and Rod and I chat always for a few minutes, more than a few minutes, usually Mm -hmm. after our podcast, Rod said, you know, and I should have, I should have just taken this to the bank. I should have gone to my bookie and said, okay, Rod Mullen said to put money on Marshall at Notre Dame. And, uh, I'm thinking as Rod's saying, I'm thinking he's crazy. That's there's no Marshall has no chance. (laughs) Their quarterbacks playing for Virginia tech. And even he stinks, uh, you know, so everything else. And what does Marshall do? Um, Marshall and App State both go on the road, but yep. Marshall goes and Notre Dame wins. Uh, App State goes down to Texas A&M and wins. And so he's telling you he can't predict what's going to happen, but he did last week. Uh, I can vouch <laughs> for that. 
Well, I did. I, now I have to say this too. I predicted a couple of races too, and I did. I eventually said I didn't say that he would win the Darlington race, but I said sooner or later Eric Jones is going to win a race. Well, he did end up winning a race, and he won at Darlington. But yeah, I don't know. I was just one of those things. I was kind of tossing it to the wind, so to speak. You know, <laughs> I was just going to say, well, let's see. I I think Marshall might catch him off guard. The one that really shocked me though was the App State Texas A&M. I was not expecting that. Well, not I wasn't expecting the. Win. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't. I'm not surprised by the win. But yeah. What, what the score was 17 14. App yeah. State lost to Carolina 63 61 a week. I know. Yeah. That's so, the other one. So, I, you know, them, them going down there and winning, you know, I could, I could see them being competitive, but playing a very different game than they played against North yeah. Carolina. That was, that was interesting. Well, and you're, and, you know, the thing with Marshall and Notre Dame, I mean, you're playing a touchdown Jesus. I mean, you're, you're looking there, the glass, the glass window is up there and you've got the picture of Jesus there holding his arms out. Doesn't make any difference. If you miss three or four field goals, it's always good to Jesus because it's at Notre Dame because he's shining down. But you know, it wasn't him exactly shining down on the fighting Irish this time around. It was more the spirit of the Marshall 75, the ones that got in that plane crash back in 1970. I was Gosh, I was only five years old when it happened, and I don't even remember it. But then when you watch We Are Marshall, and then you connect with friends that have gone to Marshall, and there's such a big deal over it, uh, you know, you can believe that things are going to happen. You know, and the only other win that they had ever had was against Kansas State. Big, you know, against a big D1 team and stuff, Kansas State was what were they? Were they like sixth or eighth or some sixth, I think, in the country? Notre Dame was eighth this time around, eighth with an 0-1 record. And somebody had put a comment on, and I told him, I said, I think Notre Dame's out of the poll this week. I think they're going to be out of the poll. Nobody's even going to be thinking about them because uh, Notre Dame's got a, a rough road to hoe this year, uh, I think, the way it's going for them. So Notre Dame had played Ohio State so well the week before. That's, that yeah. was a shocker. That's why that one shocked me more than anything yeah. else. Hey, I want to get as uh, for our listeners out there, um, who, most of whom probably are going to watch this race and watch most races on mm -hmm. TV. You're going to be th there at Bristol, there in Thunder Valley. What is a night race there like? What just just describe the whole scene there? Oh my gosh, it it is. Um, you know, I have been to night races before at Bristol, but especially at playoff time, there is a feeling that it, it's just like no other. I mean, you just don't see anything like this. I, I think the closest probably I've come to this is probably Charlotte and the Coca-Cola 600 when they race on Memorial Day. But this is a lot of pomp, a lot of circumstance. This is, you know, a race that uh, the atmosphere is electric. Uh, you know, the, uh, there's tickets still available for the race. And, you know, people, if you don't go and get tickets now for this one, I think you're going to miss a good one. Um, the atmosphere is just always totally electric there. Um you know, you're you're there in the infield. You see a lot of the big time, uh, the big drivers. You see the car owners. You see a lot of the TV personalities. You'll see people like uh, Caitlin Vinci that's on uh, Fox. She's on the uh, NASCAR, Fox NASCAR coverage on FS1. And uh, she's there. I ran into her last year, and it was uh, great meeting her for the first time. You just see a lot of tons of people there. Adam Alexander will be there. They'll uh, He'll be there for FS1's coverage of uh, covering the race at Bristol. And they're always there to try to catch up on things and try to see what's going on. But, you know, it's just it's an electric atmosphere. I can't describe it any other way, but it's exciting. Uh, it's patriotic. Um, you know, I just love it when the flyby 
when they come over there, especially it doesn't make any difference if it's a prop plane or if it's a jet plane. Uh, you have every hair on the back of your neck standing up when, you know, that jet goes over. And I, I was this way and I was watching it on TV over the weekend, that B-2 bomber going over at Kansas, that was just unreal. When that thing went over and the sound, I could only imagine seeing that at Bristol, but, uh, it's just a race like no other. And some people will say it's, it's a night race. So, so, I mean, no, it's, it's a totally different experience and especially at Bristol and the way that the people down at Bristol, uh, play this thing up and they do it. Oh man, they just, they do a, a fantastic job with it. You know, the only thing that I wish is that the ticket prices in a lot of cases, a lot of the races for that matter, not just Bristol, could be a little bit more affordable for everybody and where everybody could get into the race and enjoy this race. Um, you know, you got people about parking, you've got people about you're getting 156 people, 156,000 people inside of a fishbowl. You know, that's what they had when they had the battle of Bristol and Tennessee and Virginia tech, but you know, it's, um, it, there's just nothing else like it. I, I just love it when I'm there. And it's just, when you're walking there in the infield, it's just, you just feel like you're on another planet. You feel like you're in another world is the way you feel. Great description there, Rod. And so uh, for our listeners out there, look for Rod's coverage this weekend uh, coming up uh, on AFP. Uh, he'll be there working late Saturday night into Sunday morning and yep. uh, getting us all the uh, the wrap-up and the post-race game uh, post uh, race reactions uh, mm-hmm. uh, from Bristol. Looking forward to it. I'm kind of jealous, but that's okay. Uh I got college football this weekend, but uh, not quite the level of going from 16 to 12 in the NASCAR playoff field. True. Well, we need to get you down here for a Bristol race, though. I mean, we need to get you down here and let you experience it. Uh, Like I said, there's no other race around. Even if we got you for the dirt race in the spring, I think you'd enjoy that, too. I'm taking baseball season off next year from broadcasting, so that might leave the, yep. leave, the, leave it open for me to be able to do that. So yeah. uh, we're going to work on that too. Well, Rod, as always, thank you for your time and your insight. I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks.